This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. I am super excited for today's guest, Joe Cardona is a long snapper for the New England Patriots, but most importantly, uh, played on my favorite football team, the college football team for the United States Naval Academy, a graduate of 2014 or 15, Joe? 2015. 2015 from the Academy. And um, we're thrilled to have you on The Resilient Life. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. It's a it's a pleasure and an honor, obviously. And um, yeah, no, I'm, pumped. So let's give a little background for the audience. You were born and raised in the San Diego area, uh, which obviously has a strong Navy presence. Did that influence your decision to go to the Naval Academy? And, you know, what what ultimately led you to Navy? Yeah, growing up in San Diego, you know, you're essentially surrounded by the military. And I think that was my, you know, initial... uh, initial introduction to the military. My, my dad was an enlisted sailor, uh, reservist, uh, DOD civilian. You know, I grew up going, you know, when I went to work with my dad, it was going to, you know, ships and going and being on base and, and all that stuff. So I was ingrained in that, you know, you grow up in San Diego, you see the ships, you, you see, um, you know, fighter jets overhead, it's impossible to ignore. And ultimately that led me to, um, you know, once the opportunity came to go to the Naval Academy, it was a no brainer. So when did you start playing football? Yeah, I started playing football really young, um, probably younger than I'd recommend people start playing football now, but it was all I wanted to do. I, I um, was, uh, there's a picture of me when I was like two years old and I was wearing my brother, my older brother's football pads. So I was, I was hooked. I was a, I, I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed that aspect of things that I, and I really wanted to be a part of the sport uh, at a really young age. And um, yeah, I grew up, I don't think I've had a football season or I've had a fall without a football season, um, you know, and, 25 years. So yeah, my, my, I have a seven-year-old son who we have not put into football yet by recommendation, actually also from the, the Navy head coach, uh, coach Ken, I had on the podcast and I kind of asked him, I'm like, we haven't put him in football yet. He's like, that's good. You don't need to put him in yet. And so I think we're going to start him in flag next year, but, um, you know, I mean, my brother played football, um, and it was the same thing probably as you, you know, we had pads on it like five years old. Um, back in the day, that's how we did it, right? Yeah, no, there's no question. I mean, I, I'm sure there were some benefits that came about from me playing at such a young age, but um, ultimately I think the, not even the risk outweighs the reward. Like if you're a young player, if you're a young football player, if you play a lot of sports and you can, 
to spend a lot of time doing a lot of different things athletically, that's the best thing for you. So, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd say, you know, that middle school age is probably the sweet spot to get a little exposure before school, but, um, you know, that's up to each individual parent, I suppose. Yeah. So tell us about, um, your time at the Academy, um, more, most specifically playing football there. Uh, I, I, my favorite day of the year is army Navy. Um, it is, there is just, and I will bring people purposefully to army Navy games that have never experienced it because I'm like, if you experience any football game, like it, it has to be this one. And your time at Navy, you guys won all four years, which is, uh, that's a big deal. And you were part, of, you were part of the streak. So tell us a little bit about that time. And, um, well, let's start here. Tell us a little bit about Plebeer, because if you don't know much about the Naval Academy, um, your freshman year, Plebeer, as they call it, is kind of a wake up call. Um, it's you, you get hit uh, very quickly with the realities of what you've gotten yourself into. Uh, so much so, I tell the story that Travis's Plebeer at Navy, he actually left. He left in December and quit the Naval Academy, ended up going back, but that's just how challenging it is. So what was it like for you when you first stepped uh, on the grounds in Annapolis? Yeah, um, I think really my journey there started because I went to I went to the prep school. So I went to Naval Academy Prep School Naps up in Newport, Rhode Island, and I got absolutely punched in the face there. It was I was a San Diego kid that like went out to Newport. Uh, you know, I was expecting big D1 college football at, you know, that I was, that I saw and was recruited to play at the Naval Academy. And then next thing you know, you know, I'm in a, a tiny little, like, you know, 300 person, uh, basically miniature school, um, taking four classes and the, you know, in the driving wind and the freezing weather up here in Newport and, um, and really, getting getting challenged in a lot of ways outside of just you know the typical college football player experience one it was the humbling experience of being um you know playing against like college jv teams initially um and then also i had a marine corps gunnery sergeant who was like he was a former drill instructor you know guy was as intense as anybody gunnery sergeant ford um and he was a hard ass and he really like really trained me up. And I I'd say um, that experience, it prepared me for plebe year certainly. Um, but uh, I'd say plebe year was a challenge in itself because, you know, you go through plebe summer and that's the basic military training um, indoctrination phase into the Navy. Um, so you're doing kind of boot camp style workouts, boot camp style activities for six weeks, and then you go to and then you go to football training camp at the end of it. Um, you know, and I, I think as a as an athlete, it's not so much that the workouts are necessarily challenging um, during plebe summer. But they're changing the way in which your body is structured a little bit. You know, you're running seven miles instead of 70 yards. Like it's a totally different 
way of training. And um, I played right off the bat at the Naval Academy. I earned the starting job, but I wasn't in real shape because I had just gone through plebe summer. I mean, I probably was in the best shape of my life, but I wasn't in football shape. Um, right. I was like 205 pounds playing, you know, on the, on the line of this punt team. Like I was way too small to be out there. Um, I remember my first year of college football, I was like, how am I going to make it through four years of this? Um, and then couple that with ta taking chemistry and, uh, you know, calculus um, and not like the courses. These are the advanced courses. And that I was definitely, you know, the term drinking from a fire hose. I was, I was drinking from a fire hose. I was really swimming in it my, uh, my freshman year there at the academy. So that was, uh, it's, it's a, it's a wake up call. It's a, it's a humbling experience. Absolutely. You know, you think you're somebody, you think you're, you know, somebody special coming from your small town or, you know, you're wherever you're from. Um, and you go to the Naval Academy and everybody has that moment where you feel like you're not good enough. Um, you feel like you weren't ready, but ultimately that's what the Naval Academy is meant to do. It's meant to challenge you. It's meant to make you fail so that you have to be confronted and you have to force yourself to push through it. Absolutely. So talk about um, the first time you played army because, you know, for, for all Naval Academy athletes, um, there's the season and then there's army Navy. Um, I don't know, arguably, which is more important. I've seen coaches get fired and have winning seasons for five years, but they can't beat army. So, uh, they're out of there. So it's, it's a big deal. Um, and it is without being, you know, without sounding contrived, you know, you see the memes that, you know, everybody on the, on the field is, uh, is going to go and serve the country is, is willing to die and protect and serve. And, and so there's this, this whole idea that there's these kids, because they are your, your kids, you're out there and you're, you're playing a game, but at the end of the day, you guys are going to be standing side by side serving together. So there's something really special about that, but tell us about what that felt like the first time you walked out to play army. Like you said, you started your freshman year, so you weren't sitting on the sidelines. Um, I'm thinking where you got, was your first year, most of the games are in Philadelphia. Do you remember your freshman year? Were you playing in Philly? Um, so my freshman year, we were actually in, uh, in DC. So we were okay. at FedEx. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you, you roll up to a professional football stadium. Um, you know, that year we had, we didn't have the greatest record. I think we were five and six going, no, we were four and seven going into the game. Um, you know, we lost a lot of close games. Um, but, but Navy football seasons are defined by playing army Navy and you know that and when you're four and seven going into a three week um, they call it army camp so it's like just like football just like training camp at the beginning of the year you just start it over again but with cold weather and it's it's the hardest most arduous practices of the Navy football season because you're preparing for that huge game um, you know and i I've have played in a lot of big games since, and we could get into some of those aspects, but I'd say that the hardest thing about playing army um, and, and, you know, really it goes both ways is 
both teams are so evenly matched. They're getting the same caliber of student, the same caliber of athlete. Um, they have the, you know, all these, all these students, you know, maybe besides me, we're, we're getting recruited by both schools. Uh, but that being said, you know, you, you're so well matched. You basically run the same offense. You run the same defenses. You run the same schemes. It's just one-on-one a fight every single play. Um, and that's what we knew you were going into, but you didn't know exactly how the atmosphere would be exactly how, um, you know, that your, your initial reaction to the game would be. I remember being so nervous for that game that on the bus ride there, I thought to myself, okay, I only have to do three more years of playing football and being this stressed out about long snapping. I thought it was ridiculous. I, and I look back on it after seven years in the NFL, I'm like, I had so much more football to play. Um, but at that point in time, I was so nervous on that bus ride over because I, I grew up watching Army Navy. Like I being, like I said, being the son of, of an enlisted sailor, like he would turn on our, my dad would turn on Army Navy and it'd be, you know, like you said, the biggest game of the year, um, because of all those reasons of all those ceremonial reasons and, and every, every one of those, uh, you know, adages rings true. It's, it's. Um, it's an intimidating atmosphere for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I can't imagine that that on that bus as you were pulling up, you ever were thinking that, you know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing, but not realizing what your career was going to lead to. Um, like you said, you've played in some other pretty big games. Um, so let's talk about, you do four years at Navy and for those that don't know, you know, when you go to a service academy, um, you are required to uh, serve your country for five years. Uh, at the Naval Academy, you can choose to go into the Navy or the Marine Corps, um, but that's a requirement. I mean, that's, that's frankly your pay. You're paying to go to school by serving uh, your country. And there are a very, very small group of individuals that have the opportunity um, to play professional sports out of service academies. I think um, some of the most famous from the Naval Academy are uh, David Robinson uh, in basketball, is that right? And then yeah. uh, Roger Stahlbeck uh, with football um, and, uh, and Joe Cardona gets that same opportunity. So how does that happen? Because, um, I'd love to know what that process looks like because you know you've got like service selections everybody's talking about and you're it's 2015 when you're graduating um we're in the middle of war um so it's even more elevated in the need for men and women to put on the uniform how does the process start where it looks like you're going to have this opportunity to go professional yeah no and i mean that's a that's a great question and there's a lot of times that you know, I didn't ever think I'd play in the NFL. I was like, I, like I alluded to earlier, I was an undersized, you know, niche position. Didn't even get recruited to come play at the Naval Academy directly. I had to go to the prep school. Like never once did I ever think I would play in the NFL. Just point blank. Like I never thought I would ever see a down in the NFL and going to the Naval Academy was my way of, you know, fulfilling this goal of service 
of becoming an officer and, and really, you know, elevating, you know, my career personally, um, you know, as from what an 18 year old can understand, you know, I knew my, essentially from talking to my dad is he was, he was enlisted. He's like, you go to the Academy, you become an officer, but you don't just become an officer. You become an officer that graduated from the Naval Academy. And I, 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 I understood that at the very least. Um, now, there was a couple moments throughout school that I, you know, I, I like I started as a freshman. Um, you know, I, I, just football was still moving really fast for me. Um, you know, and then I, I continued to play, continue to get better and improve. Um, and then it was around, uh, you know, my uh, right at the beginning of junior year, we take physicals to see, you know, what we can and can't do in the service. They're called pre-commissioning physicals. Now, I, I said I grew up in San Diego. I, I grew up around Miramar and all the jets flying over. That's that's what I wanted to do. I didn't really tell a lot of people because you had to get really good grades and I wasn't getting really good grades, but I was hoping that I could be, you know, a jet pilot one day, um, get an aviation contract and go down to Pensacola and, you know, and, and fly jets one day. Um, now, during that physical, they looked at me, they took all my measurements and they said, you can't be a jet pilot because your torso is too long. And if you have to eject, maybe not all of you is going to make it out. And they like alluded to like my essentially, yeah, something would come off uh, on the exiting a cockpit. And I was like, okay, like understood. I don't, Got I don't want to do that. Um, I, I get it. I don't fit. Um, there are taller pilots than me. I just, whatever proportionality didn't work, but um, you know, I was at that moment. I kind of started looking around. I was like, all right, well, I got to figure out something else to do. Um, is what I came here to do. It's not fitting, um, you know, the plan, but I looked around college football. I knew I'd just started for two years. And then I started comparing myself to my peers and I said, oh, I'm probably better than these guys. And, um, you know, at that point I started comparing myself to guys in the NFL. I was like, all right, I'll have to gain some weight, but I think, I think I got the physical tools to do it. Um, so that was the moment I kind of realized I, could physically play in the NFL. Um, and I just wanted to prepare myself physically um, in ways that weren't a detriment to my, you know, uh, overall uh, service goals um, and, and graduating and all that, prepare myself physically to play in the NFL. And, you know, I gained some muscle and, you know, got faster and got stronger. And I think overall, that's not usually a bad thing in the military. Um, so nobody really noticed, uh, but, uh, you know, I ended up getting some scouts that had my attention that, that were getting the, I was on their radar, some NFL scouts and, uh, you know, kind of one thing led to another into my senior year, had a good year. And that's when I got invited to the senior bowl then the NFL combine. And then it was real. Um, and it was like, wow, I could do this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to. Right. but I could. Um, and it was, uh, that was a very stressful process because one, like, like I said, I didn't really expect to ever play in the NFL. And, you know, if they came to me and said, Hey, you got to choose one or the other, like, all right, no big deal. Like I came to the Academy, like I'm going to put my uniform on and we're, we're headed out to wherever you send me. Um, you know, I knew that was what I signed up to do. Um, there's no question. And, um, yeah, so then a couple of weeks before the draft, um, 
coach, uh, coach Belichick got in contact with me, um, basically told me a few details to, you know, what could happen in the draft, what could happen, like what might happen, what might not happen. Um, but that kind of laid the groundwork and uh, the Navy looked at it and said, look, if you're on the field and you're playing, like, we're going to give you a shot, you know, you're uh, right off the bat. Like we're going to, we're going to try to make it work. If, if it's a guaranteed thing, I mean, I'm a long snap. There's only one per team. Right. So I, if I made a team, I'd be on the field. Um, ended up getting drafted in the fifth round to the Patriots. They stationed me in Newport, Rhode Island, um, kind of a normal uh, temporary assigned duty that they give recent graduates um, for a lot of a lot of people. I was back up here uh, helping out at the prep school, and I was driving between uh, between Foxborough and Newport, working uh, basically two jobs for my entire rookie year. So it was a long, stressful year. But uh, after that, they decided to put me in the reserves. So. I, it's been a little bit more hands off. Got a reserve job. I'm a reserve supply officer. It's I, I take a lot of pride that I still get to wear the uniform, that I still get to do that job. But ultimately, it was never expected. This 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 path, this route, um, and it's crazy that it's still happening. Um, I look at it every day. Is like I got to earn it on both sides. I have to learn as much as I can from the military and take it back to football. And I got to learn everything I can from an elite organization like the New England Patriots and take it back to my sailors and um, hopefully make the people around me better. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because not only do you get drafted, but you get drafted to the New England Patriots. I mean, you know, a dynasty, right? I mean, if you're going to get drafted to any team, um, wow. And I, I often think about, you know, you still are in the reserves. So you, you still are required to serve. Um, I'm talking to you today from reserve duty. Um, but you also entered into the NFL at a really interesting time where I don't want to say there was friction, but there was definitely a divide between, the military, the NFL, half of the public, frankly, was feeling some sort of way um, about, you know, there was the, the flag kneeling, which a lot of people in the military took, took personally, right? And, and here you are representing both of those things. Did you feel any of that pressure? Um, and, and how were you received? And also important to know that Bill Belichick has a... Um, a deep connection with the Naval Academy. So uh, it, clearly he understood um, at recruiting you and, and putting you on the team, drafting you, um, what a big deal it was. But did you feel any of that when you entered in? When, when you showed up at the NFL, what was that like? And how were you received as, you know, a, a kid who was playing for the NFL, but also serving our country in uniform? Yeah, um, there's no doubt, like my tenure with the Patriots has been an interesting time um, and an interesting time of transition. Uh, you know, we've been in some different, you know, I want to say they're almost, you know, it's like a, it's like a media construction constructed battle between, you know, the, the, this whole flag kneeling thing and um, 
you know, the, and veterans in the military. But for me, you know, we can look back and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is what's come of it. This is the good that's come of it. This is the, you know, not so good that's come of it. And we're going to come together and we're going to improve as everybody. But in the moment, you know, here I was kind of torn between two different um, sides. You know, I was, I, I felt like, I felt a lot of obligation to my um, brothers and sisters in arms and the veterans that were um, upset and, you know, rightly so they had their, they absolutely had a justifiable reason. And, you know, I, I, um, you know, I feel a lot of pride whenever I, um, you know, get a, get a be out there on the field for the national anthem, you know, or, or morning colors, um, you know, goes here off here on base or evening colors, you know, you stand at attention, you salute the flag. Um, but as a service member, you also, you know, you raise your right hand and, and swear an oath to, to protect and defend the constitution of the United States. And ultimately um, that is what carries more weight because that's an oath that you actually, you know, that's what you signed up for. And, and that, that means that, you know, no matter what, your personal feelings are on the matter, that first amendment right is still protected. And as a service member, it's still your right. You know, it, it, it's, that's your obligation first and foremost is to protect that free speech and to protect those are, that, that want to exercise that speech. So, you know, ultimately my teammates were super receptive um, of the fact that I have regulations that I have to follow. Um, and we, you know, talked about presenting a united front as a team and when I'd said hey look I got I gotta I have to you know stand at attention um, because that's you know who I am as, as, as a military officer that's protocol and decorum and that's what I do um, you know they all understood because I told them hey look anybody who wants to, to protest and to use their voice I absolutely support you and I'll fight and die to defend that right um, and and but you know, for me personally, like I have to, I have to stand because um, that's who I am. Um, and they were all super receptive, super supportive. And, uh, you know, ultimately I think we're, we've moved forward as, you know, a, a, a great a NFL culture, but also as like a greater societal culture because of it. Um, but yeah, there's been a, that was an interesting time, um, kind of having my, my foot in both doors there and, uh, being a member of both of these elite institutions um, that were in this, the middle of this culture war. Um, so that was interesting for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love the way that you frame that too. Just, you know, that it was your, you taking that oath and um, I, I respect that. I, I really like the way that you frame that. Um, so, so, you know, with the NFL um, you have, responsibilities too, uh, you know, and, and you ultimately, if you play in the NFL, you have a platform. And, um, one of the things I love about you is that you've used that platform to elevate, um, the military community as a whole. Uh, I, if you follow Joe on social media, um, you know, you're an NFL player, but you also know you are, uh, supporting veterans causes, veterans issues. Um, and I think, that it's super important for us to take kind of the background that we represent 
to any organization and be able to use that and use that for good. And, you know, have, what ways do you see you serving as an example to your peers in the NFL? Like, have you seen them be receptive to your platform? You talked a bit, little bit about like they respected your decision in, in during, you know, the issue of the kneeling for the flag, but overall, do you feel like you've been successful in using your platform to bring more awareness to the military community as a whole? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's all the outward, um, stuff that the military or that the NFL does for the military, you know, it's November salute to service month, all that stuff. Like, you know, they really, they have the, the flags on the field and the service members running out, like, everybody's seen it, but it's really the work that's done by the players um, that I want to highlight and I want to recognize because, you know, for me, I've been a part of those photo opportunities. I've been a part of those, uh, you know, certain events that you just, as a, as a, you know, as a player, it's like, okay, I get like my image means more to a lot of people. But as a person and as somebody who's in this military community who, who serves and, you know, who associates himself with a lot of veterans, um, is from a military family, you know, um, feels very strongly to support Gold Star families and, and to be there for everybody who's, um, you know, gone overseas and has come back and are struggling with something. That's something that's very personal to me. Um, and that's something that I've been able to express to my peers in the NFL. Uh, and, and every opportunity I get to talk to my, my buddies, it's not, you know, Oh, Hey, like what kind of guns do you shoot or like stuff like that? It's, it's, Hey, what's going on, you know, with the mission, what, what's going on over, you know, overseas, what's going like, and there's a lot of nuanced conversation that happens um, because they know I have um, a background in it. And because every time I get an opportunity, I, I, I ask them to talk to, you know, their family members that are veterans and not just about football, talk to, talk to them about what they did, talk to them about what their buddies did, um, you know, get a, a more personal and intimate relationship with um, our military members so that you can actually help in ways that are more than just an NFL player's image helping. It's, it's doing the real work because that's what's actually meaningful. Yeah. You know, you did something for us um, a few years back. They do the cleats for a cause. I think that's what it's called, campaign, where all the NFL players get to wear um, cleats. They pick the nonprofit. And then um, the cleats go on auction and, and you uh, did some really cool Travis Manning Foundation cleats and we put them up on auction afterwards and sold them for thousands of dollars. And um, the gentleman who, who ended up winning them uh, donated them back to the Travis Manning Foundation. So basically he made a, a really awesome contribution and then left the cleats. And we actually have the cleats in our headquarters um, outside of Philadelphia. We have them in a box. You know, we have, they're 
we, you know, we sent them to, to be put together real nice and, and it's awesome. So, and everybody that walks in and, you know, they're big cleats and people are like, what are those? And, you know, we share the story of how you, you did that for us. But, um, I, I love the idea, you know, when you think about, again, you're playing for this, this dynasty, which is the New England Patriots. I mean, uh, it is love it or hate it. Like you've got to respect the new New England Patriots for everything that they have accomplished. And, um, and just this idea that you have that platform and you continue to use that. I think it's so important and it's so appreciated. And I know that the military community most especially appreciates that you keep bringing awareness to that. So I thank you for that. Um, all right. I have a couple like fire questions for you. When you sure. were, when you were young, did you have heroes who played professional sports? You talked a lot about your dad. So I, I imagine if I were to ask you who one of your heroes was, it would be your dad, but outside of, of him, what were, who were your other heroes? Who were you looking up to as a kid? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up there in San Diego. So a lot of, a lot of chargers, uh, I'd say junior Seau was probably, you know, one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, he was from San Diego. So another, guy um and then uh yeah I'd, I'd say you know besides that weirdly like David Bin the old long snapper for the Chargers like I was I was a long snapping nerd from the beginning so um as far as sports heroes go yeah right there okay and then you hear a lot about military analogies in football movies and commentary so I wonder which of those are actually true um yeah it's always a, a good question because you know there's so many cliches like oh yeah. you can go to battle with your you know these are your brothers this and that and like uh it's all a little exaggerated for sure um but i would say the biggest parallel between the military and football is that you know we have a we have a mission to complete you know a lot of planning went into it um you know, and ultimately you have to do your part, um, you know, to support the overall thing. It's not going to be flashy sometimes, um, but, you know, at times people are going to need to make big plays and make big things happen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you need your, you know, you need every piece to, to come into place. Um, so yeah, it's always a tough one. Sorry to give the long winded rapid no, fire no, response no. there. No, that's okay. And when I say rapid fire, you don't have to, you don't have to answer too succinctly. Feel free to expand. Um, on the flip side, so I talked to you about this idea of like, what did the NFL think and, and your teammates think of you walking on the field and they're like, okay, this guy's actually like serving in the military. More importantly, what do, because you're still serving, what do your, your um, fellow service members think of you playing in the NFL? Yeah, it's, it's always interesting because like, obviously I come in in the uniform just like them. Most of the time, you know, they're most people don't recognize anybody's long snapper, even here in New England, where the fans are absolutely wild about football and know every one of us. Seldom do I get recognized, um, <laughs> especially in uniform. But I'll say some of the coolest moments for me, um, and this is like the coolest moments of, of either career, um, have been when I have kids, um, like children of, uh, my fellow service members when they come up to me 
and I get to tell them I work with, you know, and their, their parents are explaining that I'm, that I played football in the NFL for the Patriots. And I get to be like, yeah, I do. But I also work with your mom and dad. So like, it, it's, I I'm just like them. And they look at their mom and dad, like there's a, the, you know, I didn't think you're a cool mom, but like, here yeah. you are, um, you know, you work with the new England Patriot. How, how cool is that? So, um, that's always a, a, a been a special moment uh, and a special thing for me when I bring together those two worlds. So I always kind of tease the the guests um, that are coming out and um, put out a little story that you were going to be the next guest on the episode. And can you think of what the number one question that I got asked that people wanted me to ask you? Uh what's it like having the whole world stare at your butt on TV? I don't know. Like, that's, I mean, I've been over on Yeah. But no, good question. I don't know. That was that what that actually was not it, but what it was, was what is it like playing with Tom Brady and that's yeah. Winning that's a fair. Super Bowl with Tom, how many Super Bowls uh, have you been in since you've been in the NFL? So played in three uh, and one, two. And lost one to wait. What was that team you lost to again? Easy there. We're this is a friendly <laughs> interview, all right. I agreed to come on uh, of my own free will. You're I'm, not paying me, all right. I'm can, literally, we're... I'm literally staring behind me on the wall is the cover of the Philadelphia Inquirer from the day after the game, and it just Nick Foles holding up the Super Bowl tro- trophy, and it says "At last." And I've got it framed in my podcast studio, but. I digress. What is it playing like on the field with Tom Brady? Yeah, no, Tom was uh, a, a great teammate and an awesome person. Had He had West Point ties, unfortunately. So his, his grandfather went to West Point. So um, Army-Navy was still a minor rivalry between us. But, um, you know, the guy was as humble and as down to earth as um, nobody would ever expect uh, because he's Tom Brady. Like, what does he need to be humble at all? Um, but he was just an amazing person, would always take an interest in any of his teammates' causes. And, uh, you know, but being on the field with him and, and coming in to work with him was definitely intimidating because, one, he's the greatest to ever do it, but also you knew you had to step up your game uh, to keep up with him um, because he was that much more prepared and, uh, and always – always uh ready to go um and he uh would wouldn't mind you know reminding you if you weren't if you weren't carrying your weight yeah i mean as a as a diehard philadelphia eagles fan from the day i was born i still and and i will say that most reasonable philadelphia fans and we have a lot that aren't that reasonable but most reasonable fans have the utmost respect for Tom Brady at the end of the day. Rivals when he was with the Patriots, but I mean, how can you not just respect his his work ethic and everything he puts into the game? It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, so he just announced his retirement, and I was looking, and I saw that the average career in the NFL is like three point three years. So. What comes next for you? Have you thought about what you want to do? I mean, you're young, you know, I mean, and, and 
maybe long snappers have a little bit of a longer shelf life in the NFL, but at the end of the day, you're going to be able to turn and shape into a, a different career. Have you thought about what that looks like for you? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, as uh, I, I think as a, a Naval Academy graduate um, and having two careers kind of this entire time, I've always known that, you know, I have a life outside of football um, and I have passions outside of football, but ultimately right now I am enjoying playing football. So I have a few more, uh, hopefully a few more years left in me. Um, but till that point, um, you know, I'm going to keep, uh, I'm going to stay in the reserves. I'm going to keep doing my part, um, and, and keep helping out, uh, as much as I can on the, uh, in the military community. And then, um, you know, as I see more and more of my, uh, Naval Academy classmates get out and start their jobs. Uh, it's definitely giving me that realization that, Hey, like life may be catching up with me soon. So I don't know. I've, I've been, uh, exploring some options, you know, I've always done some, some, uh, you know, figured out where the path might lead me. I was an econ major at the Academy. So who knows, it might be something in finance, but trying to, uh, to carry on this, uh, this, you know, fantasy job I have right now for a little bit longer. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's interesting too. You said you, you've been working two careers since you've graduated from college and you hear a lot about NFL players that they go straight from college to the NFL and, and that's all that they are. It's what shapes them. And, and a lot of them have trouble transitioning when they leave the NFL. And I've actually heard a lot of it equated to like military transition to professional sports transitions that they, they actually go through the same set of challenges. And, uh, you know, you aren't necessarily faced with that when, you know, at the end of the day, you have a fallback career as, you know, serving in the military. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you could probably be a tremendous resource to some of these, these guys that are transitioning out of the NFL, you know? And um, you think about all of these programs that are in place for our military transition programs. I don't know that anything exists like that for, for professional sports players. Yeah. And I think the, the hard part is, is there's not, you know, when, when you're in the NFL, especially for a guy that probably is going to be around that, you know, average that three years um, and three games or whatever it is, your life is focused on football hundred percent. You have to be, or else you're not going to, you're not going to last. It's, it's a career that requires hundred percent of your attention. Um, especially in that, you know, those first few pivotal years. Um, so I think guys are coming in and, you know, they're open to having conversations about what's next and having conversations about, you know, investing smartly and, and doing, the right things um, along the way. But at the end of the day, like a lot of people just have to keep their head above water in the building and, and make sure they have a job. So it's tough for them to do all those steps to focus on what's next. And, you know, there actually is a, a parallel between that and the military, because, you know, when you're in the military and you're, you're wearing a uniform every day, you have to focus hundred percent on that job, you know, or else there are serious and severe consequences um, if you aren't given, you know, that, that effort. And uh, I'd say, you know, the more that the veteran community 
can can help um, our heroes transition, uh, you know, and, and we can learn from that and, and we can find best practices, um, the better it's going to be for every other group. You know, when we realize, um, you know, when you go from something that's very high speed and it's very exciting to stepping back into civilian life and to a corporate job or something like that, it's just different. And, and you have to be there to support people in that transition. I always say that there is so much that um, our population, our public can learn from the military community. Um, whether it's transition, whether it's how to work together, um, come, you know, you, you look at the military community and I always say, you know, the, 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 it's like the grand experiment. How do people come together from all different backgrounds and accomplish a common goal, right? And, and how can we take that practice and move it outside to like the civilian world? Um, imagine if we were able to do that. So this is just another piece of another way that, you know, our, our public can learn about how to successfully transition into new things. Um, and again, our military community can play a pivotal role in that. Joe, our, our um, podcast is called The Resilient Life. Um, it's about moving forward. It's about uh, overcoming life's challenges. It's about getting up um, when life pushes you down. When you look at what it means this world resilience, what does living a resilient life look like for you? Yeah, um, I think resilience, it's definitely played a, a pretty serious role um, in my life. Uh, you know, I have, I was very fortunate for a lot of factors um, growing up and, you know, where I did um, growing up in a, in, and being at least afforded the opportunity to pursue my goals um, and be able to focus on them, um, you know, but it wasn't without pitfalls along the way. Um, you know, I, there's, there's been plenty of, you know, those humbling experiences for me uh, where I had to take a step back and reassess and figure out how I'm gonna move forward, um, you know, and there, there's, they've been numerous throughout, you know, having to specialize and become a long snapper and then having to, you know, uh, be, not be able to be a fighter pilot, you know, just based off of something I can't control and then having to reassess and not knowing whether I was going to play in the NFL. And then ultimately the challenges uh, professionally that I faced in the NFL and the challenges professionally that I faced in the military. And it's, it's, and, and the balance of the two really, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a difficult road. I mean, it's, it's still been a very, um, it's, it's been a very fun one. Um, but what's there, you know, without a little bit of struggle, um, and, and without things being difficult, I, I'd say, what's the point? Um, you know, you gotta have, uh, those experiences and you gotta show resiliency to have a meaningful life. And, and I, I think that, and I, and I choose to put myself in those challenging situations sometimes. And, um, and I, and I kick myself for doing it sometimes that I, that I take too much on my plate, but ultimately, um, like I said, what's there, what's the point if you're not challenging yourself? Yeah. I love that. If, if you're not putting yourself in challenging situations, then what is the point, um, in order for us to live our best life? 
So Joe, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all you do to serve our country. Thank you for your contributions to the NFL. I love watching you play. I always, every time the, the Patriots are playing, I'm like, I know that guy, that's my friend, Joe. Um, and thank you for continuing to use your platform um, and to bring awareness to our military community in the position that you have now. Um, and I hope you continue to do so. We'll continue to follow your career. And thank you most especially for joining us on the Resilient Life podcast.